When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Yo, yo. Yo, it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder if these other rappers really are feds. They're trying to plunder, so I'm clocking their recipe. Watch what the message be. Pay attention to the crumbs they dropping and stressing me. To a less degree, they got a purpose to hang me. These motherfuckers rapping as if they working for Langley. Propaganda flow, even not considered so. If it's something I can't rock with, it's the opposite of dope. But they drop subliminals, not within my scope. Your mind is just a road, like it dropped in a commode. But I... Running girl my tinfoil hat, want no parts of the game, cause they've been spoiled that. <laughs> That's stupid. Hey! Hey, what up? My name's Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting on reparations. Hurry that shit up. Please. Hurry the fuck up. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm excited. Uh I mean I've had a long day, but the house passed the Pro Act. Get oh, that shit. shit. Yeah, I don't know if you heard about that. So the Explain that to us. So yeah, so the PRO Act, the Protect the Right to Organize Act, or the PRO Act, passed today in the House with five Republicans joining Democrats in favor of it. It provides protections for workers trying to organize. Um, and the labor movement, you know, anybody from DSA to a bunch of the big labor unions across the country have all been lobbying and trying to get their constituencies and their memberships to contact their representatives and su- to support the PRO Act because it's, you know, it would finally level the playing field that's mm-hmm. tilted towards big business, um, making uh, union organizing drives and elections more accessible and empower workers to, you know, organize and bargain. Um, and so, I, I mean, as 
as a socialist myself, that believes that the workers uh, create all value and that they should, you know, keep all value that they create. Very excited about this. I think it's a good step forward. It'd be interesting to see what happens with it in the Senate. Um, I don't know where our senators, uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, stand on it. I know that uh, uh, Lucy McBath, she's the congresswoman for the 6th District, defeated Karen Handel in 2018, which is like relevant to this current discussion because John Ossoff failed to beat Karen Handel in what was at the time the most expensive congressional race in history mm. um, back in, like, I think it was a special election back in 2017. But anyway, Lucy McBath, she was on the fence. DSA hit her up and, like, you know, labor unions were all putting pressure on her. She came through and supported. Woo, woo. So we'll see what happens to the Senate now. So for those who don't know, is this, would you describe this as, like, a bold move that's going through? Or is this something that should have been should have been done a long time ago? Well, what's sad about our current political moment is that bold, like bold moves and things that should have happened a long time ago, like that Venn diagram is often a circle. Yeah. When we think about things like raising the minimum wage or providing universal health care. Um, and so I'd say it's a bold move, given like my personal low expectations of the Biden administration. Um, it's I, I feel like it's a long time coming that we restore uh, collective bargaining rights to um, workers in places like Georgia, which is a right to work state and across the nation. Um, and so, yeah, it's a mixture of both. It's exciting. Nonetheless, even if it's like long overdue, well, at least something's getting done. At least something. Something's getting done. Yeah. Well, what's come across my radar. I'm not sure if you heard about this, but I was actually really interested in your thoughts about this. So have you heard about what went down with the uh, Nevada Democratic Party? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. many good things are happening. There, oh, my there, God. There were some votes that took place. I think it was over the weekend or the last week. But um, I guess five uh, positions of leadership um, in the, the Nevada de- Democratic Party were yeah. won by the members of the DSA, the Democratic Socialists. Yeah. So, um, as a result of this, the entire staff of the Nevada Democratic uh, Party quit. And yeah. they pretty much raided the uh, accounts, uh, the financial accounts, before they left and took, like, their severance pay. Took their severance uh, pay, took all the money in, in their bank accounts and, like, gave it to, like, the... Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee and like pretty much just shifted all their funds out of reach of the new leadership. Is um, this something that they're going to be able to recover from? I think so. I mean, I think that like if they're as well organized as they seem to be having swept the elections, mm-hmm. um, they have and like, you know, are, ca- are capitalizing on the political uh, enthusiasm and orientations of an increasingly left-leaning state. You know, as a result of those organizing victories, you know, in 2016 around the Bernie campaign, 2020 as well, and outside of that, um, I think there'll be. I mean, and 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 in addition to just across the state, the popularity that their um, position seems to hold nationally, people like left leaning, like you know, very left, not very left leaning. How should I say this? Uh, socialist sympathizers. And other <laughs> left folks um, are super stoked on this. 
I've known a couple of folks that have probably never even been to Nevada that are chipping into the Nevada Democratic Party now because they're like, oh, hell yeah, I see you. So yeah, how does, I see you out here grinding. So I think they'll be able to bounce back from this. How does something sure. like this go national, though? Like, how, how, do, how does it get repeated? I mean, it, get, it gets repeated in that um, people get, like, uh, left orgs, rather established ones or loose affiliations of people who desire this kind of takeover get involved in democratic party politics i mean like here in athens our our the chair of our local democratic party is is uh like a i it's like it's a low-key socialist i don't like i'm whispering i don't know he doesn't he's like an elizabeth warren type let's say yeah yeah um and so uh like it can be done and it can be done in places particularly where um i feel like um there's not a lot there's not like a strong establishment hold mm-hmm. like where the democratic party is currently weak a bunch of energetic well-organized and like uh, thoughtful anybody's can come in and clean house and just turn it into whatever they want if they show up to the meetings well, and bring a bunch of their friends that then become voting members. Like it can be done, and so yeah, taking over your you taking over your city party, taking over your state party, um, by just like showing up and like getting and bringing people. That's so all at t- the risk of at the risk of putting heads on blast, like. Or, or would you even know what cities or what states are kind of vulnerable? I mean, I imagine that, um, um, well, in terms of place, it, well, to start off, places that actually have strong Democratic parties, but strong left insurgencies, well-organized left insurgencies lately, like, uh, I could see, I could see this happening to the New York State Democratic Party easily, oh. given, given the organizing well, yeah, true, that, true. like, Queens DSA... And like, uh, you know, the Working Families Party have put in there and electing slates of, high, of like very progressive legislators to like the state assembly, et cetera. Yeah, I bet they duplicate this in two years in New York. Oh, man. Yeah, I, it, like, it I, 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 I can name other states per se. I, uh, I like having followed just like having like been aware of like Bernie's success in Nevada as someone that was like highly involved in that campaign in, eight, in not 18 this year. I like watch the caucuses. Bernie fucking like got an outright majority in the caucuses there last year. Yeah, March he, he killed that shit last he killed year. That shit. And so it's like, oh yeah, duh. You just take that same infrastructure, all the people that was out knocking on doors and all the people that was involved, and you just like keep it pushing. Yeah. And then, you know, a year later, you take that shit over or whatever, you know? Like I mean, if the trajectory st- if the co- trajectory keeps going the way that it is, yeah. I mean, that's exactly where we're heading cuz I mean, I don't even think we would be here if not for Bernie do it hadn't having done the things that he did so yeah yeah and so like, like um what was I gonna say um it's all progress there's been so much talk on like it's like with you know the defeat of the Bernie campaign and like watching the rollout of the Biden administration somewhat skeptically people being like third party politics are the way and like you know seeing the defeat of people like Charles Booker in Kentucky where the Democratic establishment backed Amy McGrath a centrist, like pro-Trump or pro-Trump Democrat, Democrat like yeah. all that kind of shit. You know, seeing the like people are like, oh, third parties gotta do it. But now to have like, like a like in a, like a successful little, insurgency, a successful insurgency where it's like, no, this party can be taken over, and uh, and we can do rad shit. 
with it. Yeah, we can start, and, yeah like and it's way more effective hopefully, than hopefully, third party stuff. I give people hope that it can be done. This is going to be one of those funny episodes. I'm not even sure if we've done something like this before. Not necessarily in terms of content, but just in terms of structure. Our political discussion and our music discussion are going to be one today. So yeah. we are going to be the, the it's what we're talking about today is so connected to the musical aspect of things that this whole thing is just going to be one big discussion about both. And what that is is we're talking about hip hop's use as being a tool for propaganda. Yeah, I feel like we often discuss hip hop as like the the megaphone of the people. Both journalistically, sort of, uh, you know, telegraphing what's happening on the ground in various communities. But as a a sizable cultural force over the last 40, 50 years, like, governments see that. And governments want want a piece of of its magic to do their bidding. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. It doesn't necessarily just have to be governments either. I mean, at this this point in the game, I think it's... I think it's a totally fair assessment to say that mainstream American hip hop does serve as propaganda for other things. Like there's certain no, certain corporate interests, corporate certain interest, commercial interests, propaganda. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Even so if it's, it's all, not state sanctioned. Exactly. It's all just a matter of where that arrow's pointed and what you're trying to achieve with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to uh, discuss that uh, examples of hip hop being used either as state sanctioned propaganda or just agenda driven propaganda, which we'll discuss. But first of all, what is propaganda? Let's go ahead and define our term. OK, well, you know how I like my wiki definition. So for propaganda right now, we have propaganda is the is a is communication that is primarily used to influence an audience and further an agenda which may not be objective and may be selectively presenting facts in order to encourage a particular synthesis or perception, or using loaded language in order to produce an emotional rather than rational response to the information that is being presented. Propaganda is often associated with material which is prepared by governments, but activist groups, companies, religious organizations, the media, and individuals are also produced propaganda. That is the first paragraph of the wiki definition how do you feel about that definition so, I feel, well i mean i'm, I'm cool with the definition i'm I, it's interesting to me reflecting upon the connotation of propaganda like when you hear the word propaganda like is it negative or positive i think uh as a you know half cold war kid and and war on terror kid i i think that uh Propaganda's always had a negative connotation to me. It, it wasn't until you want to you want to know some funny shit. The first yeah. person that I heard actually use propaganda like positively to when I heard them say it, I was like, ah, that's a way of looking at it. Is when we actually inter- interviewed propaganda. Like oh for, yeah, we interviewed for our prop. second second or or third episode, I think. But yeah. I remember it was probably it was off air. And he said something about, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm out here trying to make this positive propaganda or like, you know, and I was like, oh, that, that is true. Because like, if you're, if you're, if you're advocating like a message or an agenda, then that is your propaganda. And that's not necessarily a negative thing coming from you. Propaganda is seen as negative because, because of it, it can be emotionally evocative because of the selective presentation of information. But propaganda is also, it's like water. 
Now we are fish just swimming through it all the time. Be it, you know, watching Jen Saki's press briefings or Kaylee McEnany's. And it's like the way that information is spun to gain public appeal and trust. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. It's all, it's all the time. No one, no, no one's immune to it. So we might as well, like, if we want to get shit done, if we have an agenda, if we have an ideology that we think will help lots of people, we might as well be producing propaganda I, to I think it's promote the, it. I think it's like the manipulative quality of it that I guess kind of makes it have a negative connotation to it because i mean if you're if if you're out and you're speaking on behalf of what you believe in and somebody's like oh boo that's propaganda like you know what i'm saying it it just can't help but it just seems it just seems like a pejorative <laughs> just no for sure you would much rather just present all the facts and have someone come to the same conclusion yeah. as you about what they mean exactly than but have like to you twist see- yeah. reality or their perception but i mean that's the nature of how persuasion you know to persuade yeah, the nature of persuasion isn't a logic like isn't a wholly logical like combat terrain it is, it is emotionally evocative you do appeal to people's lizard brains through the colors you use and the language you know being co- colorful as well or like i just you know like it doesn't have to be all about what the facts are as much as like how do you appeal to folks? So, I mean, we, I would love to live in a world in which, like, facts convince people of, like, the right things to do. On their own. Alone. And that, and, and, and in a world in which everyone played by those rules. The fact of the matter is, we do not live in a world where everyone plays by those rules. Even if we committed to those rules, we would get our asses handed to us. Because everybody else are, is using it. By everybody who's snakier, dirtier, slimier, just, like, spinning whatever they got to do to get... And we would get our asses into us. We would all be in the gulag right you now. You can't be unarmed and you have to, you know, right, you have to come no in grace. with your, you got to come in with your righteous spin. I ain't bringing combat. my, you know, grace to a gunfight. Yeah, <laughs> let's fucking get the propaganda going. Like, I think well, a lot of the raps I've written for the show or just generally lately have been propaganda for various causes. I would, pr- I would prefer to, to describe them as illustrations of policy positions that are appealing aesthetically. That is what's propaganda about them, is that it doesn't necessarily just appeal to you on the level of fact. It's also fun to listen to. Ooh, you just reminded me of a rap line that had a good propaganda line, a mortal technique line from back in the day. Do you, there was a, back after 9-11, there was a song that was made, right? It was a cover of Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, but it had like every pop star in existence at the time, like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, like they were all in that fucking nigga from Creed was in that shit. It was just, it was like a big, you know, we are the world type of joy, right? Nigga from remember, Creed is the worst phrase. Like I just I, that phrase, yo, I just want to shoot myself in the head. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was it was, it was the whole TRL lineup. But I remember years later, a couple years later, there was a Immortal Technique line, and he was like. um Marvin Gaye, tell me what's going on. Niggas made propaganda out of your song. Um, Yeah, we are going to get into this whole propaganda thing, give you guys some pretty cool stories right after the jump. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. 
Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. All right. So in Cuba, there is a new rap track boldly denouncing the communist government and has gone viral. It's provoked anger in its response from the Cuban government who fired back with their own patriotic state sanction, Salsa Single. We got a fucking musical battle between ideologies. It's like it's like the it's like the most like ideologically laden rap beef I've ever heard of. <laughs> anyway, the anti-government track penned by Utuel, Gente de Zona, December Bueno, El Funky, and Mekel Osorbo, dubbed Fatherland and Life or Patria y Vida, is a flip on the hallowed Patria o Muerte slogan, Fatherland or Death slogan. Popularized by Fidel Castro during the 1959 Cuban Revolution. The music video opens with an image of 19th century Cuban hero Jose Martí, and it burns away to reveal George Washington, another quote-unquote revolutionary, as well as images of poverty and protesters in the streets of Cuba. It's over. You're 1959, I'm 2020, sings the chorus, implying the communist regime has held the Cuban people in the past. No more lies, my people demand freedom, no more doctrines. Those are also some lyrics from the track. Further lyrics in the song decry food insecurity on the island and some the sometimes violent government repression of critique. Most of the artists on the track, including Yotuel, um are Cuban exiles. The only two living on the island still are Alfunki and Mikel Osorbo, who are members of the artist collective San Isidro, um, who had one of its members actually imprisoned by the Cuban government. 
and whose supporters, a small group of supporters, gathered outside of the culture ministry in uh, protests, uh, I think last year. Um, what are your thoughts on this? So, I, mean, I think it's, I, I mean, I'm interested into the degree to which, and perhaps like, doing a little digging, this would become, you know, unearthed. Like, this ideology flows from their decision to leave the country or whether living outside or, or being expats exiles has has like given rise to this like burning hatred of communism or it's like we left cuba because of communism which many people did or if it's like living outside of, of cuba and like being exposed to more capitalist ideology through the propaganda that circulates freely in other western countries it's like you know what actually fuck it back home like those motherfuckers don't know how to live yeah well i mean um the uh article from the financial times uh which brought this story to our radar it kind of mentions that you know there's a generational shift where there is a you know a particularly strong anti-government bent to the younger generation of uh cubans um the article did mention that that anti-cuban government bent also comes with a pro-Trump leaning. So yeah. I'd be curious as, I'd be curious as to whether uh, what's the name? Yuto? Yotuel? Yotuel. I'd, I'd be interested in what his his views are of you know, the Trump administration or even America, just America, the American empire in general. Right, because in the song they're kind of like rapping about what they're against. They're against people waiting in bread lines. They're against government repression and censorship. Um, but not really like articulating a vision of what they're for. So if it's like, yeah, uh, like I want to ethno state and like kill sex workers and like, you know, trans people, like send them to electroshock therapy. I don't know. I don't know what they're for. Exactly. It's like, it's hard to, you want to get on board because it's something revolutionary, but not all revolutions are in your favor type of thing. Right. If it weren't for the context in which the song were produced, like if you just picked it up and dropped it in the middle of Detroit or something mm-hmm. like the, the, the message still stands that like, a good point. fuck the government, fuck the way your censorship and your repression. We got people standing in bread lines in Texas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you know, the, the poverty and all that stuff. So really it's like, I, I get like, okay, we're, you know, you're in, your experience is informed by like the system you've lived under. And so if you live under a communist regime, like, you become, a, you know, critic, critical of communism as much as living in a capitalist one. Um, we're like, we see everything going on and we're critiquing it and we're like, you know, hating it in our songs. Um, but it's all like, it's all anti-government. Like, I feel like this, the, the generational divide that you were talking about is like young people don't are like anti-authoritarian. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's it. That's like what we all have in common, regardless of whether we're critiquing, you know, communism or capitalism. Now, the song, which I'm going to call by its English title, Fatherland <laughs> of Life, because I don't want to butcher any Spanish right now. Um, but the, the song has received the predictable backlash from the official Cuban media. They've branded the rappers U.S.-loving traitors and mercenaries, tools of the empire, and they've called the song an attempt at gross political interference. Now, the funny part about all this that, like... <laughs> this is what I find hilarious. And yeah. It's like so... What's the word for it? Just like so ham-fisted? It's it's pretty much like a fucking 
propaganda off, you know, rap battle. <laughs> well, I don't even know if you could call it rap battle or song song verses, where um, the government has launched their own, like you said, salsa inspired, rappy pop jingle that's entitled. You want to say that? Patria o muerte. No, patria o muerte por la vida, or fatherland, or death, or life. Which so is it's extremely like a, like awkward. a play on both of the titles <laughs> of like the slogan "Fatherland or Death" and the title of the other song "Fatherland and Life." So it's, it's like "Fatherland it's, or Death for a Life." It really feels like no. Oh, we're gonna call ours "Fatherland." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's yeah, check the, out this track. Let's check out this track. Real Track features, uh, per the Financial Times, the uh, track features five officially sanctioned performers led by singer-songwriter Raul Torres singing a robust salsa rebuttal to the rappers against the backdrop of the Cuban flag. You can His lyrics read, You can cash in by licking the arrogance of the empire. <laughs> and you can cash in by singing that you're against poverty from a satin sofa. I'm not even gonna trip, and this is not because I'm a socialist. Um, like this is purely on like lyrical grounds. I honestly think the salsa song is better. Those lyrics, you can cash in by licking the arrogance of the empire. That fucking bangs. Are you kidding? That's fucking dope. Like I'm not even in salsa like that, and that's like pretty ill. As opposed to like, oh no, the lyrics of the other song are like a little weak and like generic. Well- well, everything everything has to be taken in context, right? Because it's like if if you don't, if you just look at the video to the rebuttal on its own, but you know the story, it really does seem like you know. What I mean, they're like in front of the Cuban flag, and it's not as well produced. It, it, their video has like an obviously lower budget than the rapper's video, so it just comes across looking. And then everybody in the shit is like older. <laughs> Older, <laughs> it just, yeah. It just comes across looking like some hokey after-school special stuff, especially when you know it's in rebuttal to the rap song where everybody's got the shirt off, looking all cool. You know what I'm saying? It like looks like a, a actual like rap video in comparison comparison to this yeah. one. So what's interesting fe- to me is that in both videos, the Cuban flag is featured prominently in Patria Patria Vida. Like one guy's got it like draped over his shoulders. And so, like, it's interesting to me that there's this patriotism, run, this patriot, patriotic current running underneath both of them. The Patria y Vida video is like, I want freedom for my people. Like, I love the people of my country. I got my flag. Like, I want freedom for Cuba. Um, whereas, like, I feel like in other, like, anti-authoritarian, like, movement contexts, like, you wouldn't see somebody in, like, a, like, you know, down with the government. I guess, actually, that's wrong. I was, I was about to say, you wouldn't see somebody like, down with the government and, like, waving an American flag in the States, but then I'd forget about January 6th. Yeah. I'm wrong. So never mind. <laughs> I take all of that. Well, I mean, I the, see, like, um, Antifa. You know, you wouldn't see, like, Antifa out with, like, an American flag. Like, yo, fuck the government. Like, you would, like, it, it didn't occur to me at first. But, like, I don't know if why refreshing, would this patriotism? I don't know if refreshing is the word, but, um, there's something to be said about, uh, you know, a sort of anti-government sentiment that still is nationalistic at the same time. You know what I mean? Almost, it's kind of like, we love the place where we're from, but we hate the people in charge. Mm-hmm. 
I feel so, like um, people, yeah, I don't know. Most of the anti-authoritarian people I can think of in my life mm. or like in my Twitter sphere are like, nah, man, like we need to start over and like <laughs> from scratch, like America, we need to get rid of America kind of people. It's just, just like, well, you know, there is the question of whether or not this is resonating. These two songs are resonating so far. The uh, anti-government track has three times the YouTube views as its uh, government-sanctioned rebuttal. Um, in interviews that the Financial Times Financial Times conducted with everyday Cubans, you know, the sentiment seems to be that people are aware of the issue and they're aware of the government response. But you know, everyone's worried about putting food on the table and you know, avoiding Corona and. It's not necessarily something that people are talking about in the food queues. Yeah, people aren't worried about this shit. They're fucking like, oh, there's like this rap beef happening between my government <laughs> and, and some like, rappers who don't live and here. And some rappers. I would also say that the anti-government track having three times as many views on YouTube might also speak to anti-communist sentiment of Just people, generally? Cubans living outside of the U.S., mm-hmm. which, you know, people living in Florida, other expats. People with anti-communist views around the world being like, oh, hell yeah, that's dope. Versus yeah. like, you know, this is one explanation. No, but yeah, definitely. people aren't fucking worried about this. I, I don't blame them. I would, I would let be laughing my ass off if this shit was going down in the United States. Like, you so, mean to tell me, Lil Yachty. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. It's what, like, did, you, what? Just like when we were talking about uh, Pablo a couple weeks ago, it's like. You can't even really imagine this sort of shit happening in the U.S. I mean, when we're, when we're talking about American rap and in that context, it's like motherfuckers are getting arrested for other stuff. You know, like like rappers in the U.S. aren't getting arrested because they said something that made the government mad. I'm not saying that it couldn't happen. I'm just saying, you know, rappers with a big enough platform aren't doing that. So... And they haven't really done that for like 30 years. So it's like even imagining the situ- the scenario playing out in the U.S. is, is difficult too. The closest thing I can imagine is the like rock the vote shit, which wasn't like officially state that, sectioned. Yeah, even But you even know, it's kind of like corny and like people were like... Do you want to know what an example of it would be? It what? would be if one of these MAGAs one of these like mega insurrectionists if they were a rapper you know what i'm saying I'm like if, like if there was a QAnon rapper talking about like hey you got to storm the capitol you got to kidnap the governor like yeah that, that that would get the fbi at your door that that would that would probably bring the government down on you at least the the biden administration it's only a matter of time till they come for no name i swear to god shit that's We'll, get, we'll just do costs. a whole episode on her political evolution and what she's working on, and the fact that she's definitely going to get black bagged by the government at some point. Well, let's, let's please knock on wood and, and please. Yeah, please let her <laughs> drop that album first, at least. Goddamn, <laughs> she's about to be five. Fuck. So anyway. we're gonna we're gonna teleport across the sea, and we're gonna go to the People's Republic of China, talk about the hip hop group CD Rev. In their 2016 track, This Is China. Now let's take a listen to this because I really do believe that this is incredible and not a good way. This is China. We love the country. We're the children. I'm in the red. Right. 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 They made this song 
according to them, this is to correct some misconceptions about contemporary China. So his his point that he was making about the pollution is he was saying, yeah, we have pollution, but so did L.A. <laughs> yeah, so does L.A. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, as, as far as as far as um, maliciousness goes, it's not very malicious or anything like that. But it's just it's like walking that fine line where it definitely does seem like it's state run. There was a, a article in the communications and, and critical cultural studies by Shang Zhu. And the point was made that while CD Rev's hip hop may not look like conventional propaganda, it functions as idiotainment, which fuses state interest and citizens' nationalism. And I think that's that's kind of the fine line that they draw because, I mean, if you told me that that 100% had the backing of like the Chinese government, I would believe it. But if you told me that that was just some kids, you know, some contemporary kids in China just making you know, pro-China hip-hop, it, it could kind of sound like that, too. It has a very... It's repping where they're from. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It, ha- it has a repping where they're from sort of vibe to it that, you know, can't... And, and because they, they rap in English, too, I guess that's another aspect of it that there might be a little bit of a... Trans- a little bit of meaning that, that's being distorted in translation because because they're rapping in English, it really makes the propaganda end of it shine because it's not really rhyming that much it's you know like, it's just like it makes you question like who's it for exactly like, if it's not in their native tongue if it's like if it, you're, you're producing in english so that english speakers will hear it you're what like why are you like it, that awareness of audience makes you feel like it's propaganda in that they're trying to like convince you of something about that we're a country as opposed to like just reporting on it to other people who have that same like cultural like foundation of like share a shared language. Well, how do you feel um you know a few months ago when uh the protests in Hong Kong were really revving up, they dropped a track that was essentially a diss song to the protesters. Like why are you protesting? Oh, Get off the streets. Like the, the Chinese government wants to help you, you're ruining everything. Like those are the sentiments that were expressed in that song. Hey. So again, it's like if you didn't think that they were a government-funded propaganda group in 2016, that Hong Kong one definitely kind of makes it feel like they might be. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. 
Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. being the powerful cultural tool that it can be its capabilities um have been used uh for propaganda across really every spectrum possible in europe counter-terrorist experts and authorities have been monitoring what they call jihad rap for salon american and european terrorism experts have been increasingly concerned over anti-american hip-hop um, accenting the radicalizing influence of the genre, noting that Al-Shabaab, a Somali-based Islamist group, uses jihad rap in its recruitment videos. Harvard scholar Jessica Stern wrote in Foreign Affairs, the first and second generation Muslim children I interviewed for study of the sources of radicalization in the Netherlands seemed to think that talking about jihad was cool in the same way that listening to gangster rap in some, is cool in some youth circles. Others have advocated mobilizing certain substyles of hip-hop against this jihad cool in Europe, hip hop is used is being used to enlist is hip hop is being enlisted in a broad ideological offensive to counter domestic extremism. On the one side, you have these counter the way that hip hop is you know is like foundationally countercultural, like it's cool because it's gritty and it's from the streets. Some people, you know, that I, I guess have created. It's just a matter this. of where your streets are. You know it's what I'm saying? It's a matter of where your streets are. Yeah, and so it's like, yo, I. You know, jihad is cool because it's 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 anti-establishment. It's anti. It's uh. It's like this. It's a way to organize ourselves outside of the mainstream and push back against it, which is just like kind of horrifying to me. But like, it makes I, sense in a way. Like, I oh, of course. Like, yeah, I see how that that slope would be slippery. <laughs> and I, I do I do like that gangster rap comparison too because it's like something can start from one place you know what i'm saying but in the wrong hands it can be used to cause harm you know what i'm saying yeah like like all the way around um like the cuban government the western powers have pondered countering this with moderate muslim hip-hop voices however they've been much more hesitant to just outright do so like the cuban government has and it's mainly because they don't necessarily know who they should really be fucking with. <laughs> they don't really like, know these streets like that. They're like, who yeah. should we put in the music video? Um, are, these, a, there, are these guys cool? No? Y'all don't like that? Shit. There's an example of um, them getting burned. So in the Netherlands, there's a, a Dutch-Moroccan rapper by the name of Salah Adin, and he dropped a song and video called Het Lan Van, 
or this country of. Uh, in the song, he criticizes the government, uh, which in the Netherlands is becoming increasingly more conservative. He criticizes the red light district with uh, lines like, this land that sells women from behind window panes. Um, and in the video, he's got like some terrorist imagery. There's like a scene of a grandfather of who's got a, a suicide vest on. He's being detained by the police. And even uh, a dean himself appears at the beginning of the video where he's clean shaven and he's in a house and he, you know, he's in like a regular domesticated house and he's rapping. And as the video goes on, his face becomes more scruffy till by the time you get to the end of the song, he's got a full beard and he's wearing a Guantanamo jumpsuit and he's about to get waterboarded and stuff like that. That's so, crazy, yo. Yeah, I mean, in, in my opinion, it's done artfully, but this is the only song in video that I've seen of the guy before I go ahead and, and co-sign it. From, from my opinion, and also not understanding the words, but it seems like, you know, it's an artful take on controversial subject matter. But in any event, the video was paid for by a grant from the Dutch Ministry of, of Culture that Adine had received for the video's production. So this caused a shitstorm, you know, where voters... They're like, y'all did what with our tax dollars? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, let's listen to that song real quick. Land van Oost, best Duitse moslimhaters. Land dat is opgebouwd door onze vaders. Land wat ons ziet als een gevaar en terreur. Land met mooie dromen, stel me teleur. Land van kapitalisme, onderuit zijn racisme. Materialisme, het land dat loopt een bitje. You know, it's like... I, I, I can see what they... I see what they mean, because... You know, we experience this on our end, too. It's like hip-hop makes shit cool. I'm sorry. It, it just does. It, it it makes stuff cool. It there's a, there's a sleekness and there's a mystique to it that it provides to whatever you're talking about. Like, I'm old enough to remember when, you know, people weren't really fucking with pimps like that. You know what I'm saying? And, like, pimps became cool at some point because... Rappers started talking about them favorably and shit like that. Now I'm not I'm not you know saying that um, Adin is necessarily promoting like terrorism or anything through this song, but there is a there's a chic to it. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's very yeah. alluring. Yeah, it raises the conversation again of like well, like documentation versus promotion, like to like the 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 um accusal hip-hop oftentimes faces of like promoting violence promoting drug dealing promoting these things when it's like or are people just describing it like they're just like they're just telling you what's happening rather than like oh i think that's cool i mean sometimes yeah it is like oh yeah i think that's cool but sometimes just like yo fucking shot a guy what and they're like just you know documenting their experiences i think it um it's like a case-by-case basis with me. I don't think that it can be, like, broadly painted that way. I think that, um, you know, it's like when you when you see it, you when you hear it, you know it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, yeah. when you hear somebody who's documenting things that they've seen and they're presenting, even, even if it has a little bit of that glamorizing, you know, uh, vibe to it, there's a way to go about something like you're documenting it. Then there's a way to go about it like... You know, you're just promoting some shit. I don't necessarily think that any depiction of something is is the equivalent of ad of advocacy. You know, right? What I'm he could just like, be like, just he could just be documenting, present presenting like a like a uh, it's like a a portrait of radicalization. Well, the the 
people in the Netherlands should chill in <laughs> when talking about this dude because Adin has nothing on the next guy who we're going to talk about. So there is a, well, was an extremely popular German rapper by the name of Dezo Dog. Um, he had a uh, hit song called, and I'm going to butcher this German. Welcome mm-hmm. in Minor Welt. Or Welcome to My World. Let's check that out real quick. Now, he, um, he, he was extremely popular for a long time after he converted to Islam and started being a lot more open with it in his music and his image. Things just kind of started spiraling from there. In 2011, he was alleged to have inspired a 21-year-old uh, Kosovar to fire at a busload of American servicemen in Frankfurt. And he would eventually just leave Europe altogether and actually go to Syria to fight with ISIS. And now he's actually like a wanted propaganda minister, <laughs> like official propaganda minister for ISIS. But yeah, his stuff, if you look at some of his things, which, you know, it's it's hard to find them on YouTube for obvious uh, reasons. Really? <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's it, the difference between that and Adin is completely stark. You know what I'm saying? It, it makes a, it makes the video and the song that we just heard seem like a Martin Scorsese piece of art as opposed to like something that just looks like a terrorist video with a beat. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like like this this guy like hardcore. I don't even know if you could call that self-radicalization, but it's almost like he had a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more radicalized that he got to the point where it's like, "Oh, I guess there's nothing to do now but go join ISIS." So, I mean, like, what, what, what do you what do you what do you think that was the cause of that? Do you think that he was? Do you think he radicalized himself, or do you think opening his uh, his music and his uh, his id to that sort of philosophy kind of influenced where his trajectory went? I mean, I think it, I think radicalization comes in two directions. It comes from the the, the ambient like uh, social problems that we experience, like telling us that something is not right about the way things are. And then the media we consume, uh, then providing an answer to those questions. Right. And so like, I can't speak to the German context of like what particular things he may have been experiencing in his life that drove him in this direction. But I mean, I imagine something environmental was like, Hey, yo, fuck this. And not only fuck this, but like, how do I fuck this? Ah, yes, ISIS is the way. Uh, and so, like, the internet then providing this uh, this wormhole, which we all get sucked down to in various directions, thanks YouTube, etc. We would consider this to be right-wing radicalization, though, correct? Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if you go from being a German gangster rapper to being, like, a full-fledged member of ISIS. Yeah, like, that is that is the equivalent of, in two years, us saying, storm the Capitol, rap, nigga! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we storming the Capitol, we hitting cops with flags! <laughs> yeah. Wyoming! <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> Throw your W's. Oh my god! <laughs> let's bring it back to Cuba. Okay, let's 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 circle. Let's bring it back full circle. Let's come back to Cuba. Yeah. So we started off talking about, um, you know, anti-government versus pro-government propaganda being produced. But I think that we need to understand a bit about the context of how hip hop has been used in 
uh, Cuba, like in you know, recent years as well as just like historically, to kind of cast some light on some implications of the, of, of this anti-government song. So it came out uh, where, what year? Where is the link to this article? Um, so in 2013, 2014, it emerged that uh, the U.S. was attempting to unseat Cuba's communist government through infiltration of the Cuban rap scene. The American Development Aid Organization, USAID, have been secretly trying to infiltrate Cuba's underground hip-hop movement according to records obtained by the Associated Press. And the idea was to use Cuba's rappers to break the information blockade and build a network of young people seeking social change to spark a youth movement against the, pro- the government of President Raul Castro. Now, to understand this, we got to talk a little bit about the Cuban rap group Los... Los Aldeanos. Los Aldeanos. They are an anti-government underground rap group. Uh, let's check out this song of theirs. El, El Rap es Guerra. With riches translates to rap is war. That instrumental is... That's a Jay-Z instrumental that they did that over. That... That is the Jay-Z song, Moment of Clarity, produced by Eminem, I believe. Oh, yeah. They're adored by the people over there for, with lyrics that are like, I'm tired of following their plan. Socialism or death is not a slogan. They also rap, people marching blind, you have no credibility. Go tell the captain this ship's sinking rapidly. Um, they're, they're, like I said, they're beloved for their outspokenness. Um, they've been banned from performing in Havana because you know the, they're, they're because they're anti-government raps. So that's putting them in context. So Darian Kavanaugh of the blog War Is Boring he explains the Cuban government initially treated hip hop and rap in much the same way it dealt with other imported music. The Ministry of Culture didn't ban it, but didn't support it either. That changed in 2002 when the ministry created the Cuban Rap Agency. The agency supported hip-hop on the island and promoted Cuba's hip-hop stars abroad. The government endorsed the genre, provided that performers um, towed the Communist Party's line. The Castro government banned outspoken critics such as the rap group Los Alianos from performing publicly in Havana, on the other hand. Um, That censorship forced the group to join the Cuban hip-hop underground despite the group's popularity. Uh, USAID gave uh, the Creative Associates International, which was a development company based in Washington, D.C., it gave them a contract to coordinate a multi-million dollar plan in Cuba that involved promoting hip-hop performers and throwing festivals and things like that. Admittedly, it was soft, you know, soft financial support. And in terms of Los Aldeanos, how do you say that again? Los Aldeanos. In in the the case of Los Aldeanos, the, the, uh, this aid was provided without their explicit knowledge. But you know, if you're if you're getting money from USAID and they're helping you out and, and sending you abroad to go to leadership uh, seminars and stuff like that, I guess you can kind of put two and two together if you're them. But uh, Yo. not that that's a negative though. Picture this: the year is twenty twenty seven. Associated Press drops a bombshell that Lil Yachty is a part of Cointel Pro 2. I'm not smiling. To spread 
<laughs> Capitalist propaganda. I the black am, masses. I'm not smiling because that's not out of the realm of possibility. Yo, if we meddle this all. hard in other countries, God knows what's happening in ours. I mean, there's a good chance that fucking, like, Anderson Cooper is the CIA. <laughs> there's a good chance that news anchors and, and, and social media influencers are all fucking feds. So, yeah, I would not doubt it that if it came out that some... Some of these rap cats out there working with them people. I I don't know that I would necessarily be surprised. Y'all motherfuckers might be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> For the real. most unrealistic thing about the scenario just described is the part where we find out it's going on. Yeah. <laughs> For real. <laughs> For real though. Well, I mean, shit. If if there was okay, so if. If we were, if we had that in our midst, right? Like, like, okay, let's let's do a little irresponsible speculation right now. If we had that in our midst, let's say we had the the, the we we did the Mission Impossible break it into Langley, and we got out with only half the information. The information confirmed. Yes, mate, there are a cabal of mainstream rappers that are working with the feds that are secret propaganda. They're, you know, minister like <laughs> secret propagandists for the United States federal government. Who would it be? We, we I mean, you, you came out with little Yachty first. I was gonna I go. Want, I don't, I don't want to pick one on him today. I, I was gonna go Yachty. little I pump. I was gonna say pump. So pump. like they're kind of in the same vein. So yeah. I'd, I'd say pump. If if it came out that pump was a Fed, those recruited when he was sixteen. Jay-Z? I believe it. Jay-Z is held up as like, oh, black capitalism at its pinnacle. Yeah. Like, why we got to hustle and strive and like, yep. yeah, I, yeah. Like, oh, he, how do you get a billion dollars, nigga? Rick Ross. That federal grant money. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I don't want to speculate about this anymore. I'm hearing beeps in my shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, so that's that's what we've got today. Uh, you guys go check out some of those uh, songs and videos because some of them are actually quite, quite stirring and interesting to l- listen to. And I always like to promote international rap, even if some of it I don't be- you know, necessarily line up with politically. It is cool if you're a hip-hop fan to soak that in and to just to see what's going on in different scenes across the world because this hip-hop thing of ours can be used for a lot some of it's a lot of it's good but some of it can be bad and some of it is not even necessarily for of the people you know so it's you gotta keep your eyes open and your ears open for that but all right i'm lingua franca i'm dope knife and we're not getting off that easy because joel drop a motherfucking beat Waiting on reparations Yo Yo You ever notice how everybody rap about the same shit 30 years and I'm still waiting for the lane switch All around the world, same song, it's the same grift Ain't no one in power is thinking y'all shit is dangerous Matter of fact, probably ghost wrote it You so bogus, whole motive Acting like you working for the old POTUS Make you my soul focus You gon' learn like I'm old Otis Cuss your ass out, make it full-throated I'm old Logan, I ain't dying till the end They trying to brainwash you with lying and pretend So I try to recommend Dope shit, you can try it with your friend I'm grown, I ain't trying to set a trend Dope. 
Dope. Hey. Hey. I'm Dope Knife. I'm Lingo Franca. And we are waiting on reparations. See you next week. See y'all. Bang. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.